Hi, I'm Jenny Stevenson, host of the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast. And today, episode 95, we are again dipping into the archives and looking at a blog that we wrote, it's been over 10 years ago, called A New Yardstick. Uh, and we're going to be asking and answering the question, how do you measure success, progress in your life, your self-worth? What are the ways that we tend to do that and which ones work for us and which ones are not so good? That's what we're going to do today. So hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called. Peter's a coach and mentor with 50 years of experience helping people survive and grow and helping them in the field of trauma recovery. Our podcast provides practical information and skills for resilience and personal growth during challenging times, and above all, we want to inspire our listeners to find hope, courage, and strength to succeed and move forward in times of adversity, like now. Right, right now. You know, it's interesting when you said, you like, people call me Dr. Peter, Dr. Bernstein, dude. <laughs> we, we have a little age trend yeah. going there, it depends. <laughs> Some people, you know, when, they, when they, I tell them, they say, hey, dude. Is the younger ones, or they'll go Bernstein. Bernstein. Or they'll go doctor. Anyway, Peter's good to me, but yeah. I'll, the others, if it's coming from a loving person, which I'm talking about, it's fine. Yeah. Um, this, uh, you know, it's a I was listening to Jenny, and uh, I was just telling her when we go through our archives, there's so many papers that we've written. Uh, I got to tell you, that for me, they, I just keep realizing how good they really are and how timeless, timeless. They are. They're excellent and timely. Um, and we put a lot of time in these. A lot. I, I can't remember. She interviewed me. We wrote mm -hmm. them. We, we yeah. wrote them. Yeah. We went through a lot. And they are really good papers. Mm -hmm. um, when I look at them, I say, we wrote this too, and this is good. But now that we're in a, a, a more of a chronic crisis that we're facing, and it's we've never seen one this extensive because we saw the the uh, the, the Great Recession of 2009, which was mostly financial, although it did incredible destruction to many families and individuals too. And it and did affect people's health. Absolutely, the, the and did tremendous damage. Yeah, yeah. and that um, was kind of what we wrote this blog out of was out of that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we learned a lot, and we were deeply affected too. I mean, no question about it. Actually, that one affected me personally much more deeply than this one. Although the things I deal with today are much more serious mm -hmm. um, personally in my life and with other people. But um, this is a chronic, ongoing, multi-leveled kind of crisis, one thing after another. It's astounding. And what really, uh, I, I got to say, I observe myself and I, you know, at this point in my life, I'm one of those people that go, when something happens, I don't get really riled because I always say to myself, I got bigger fish to fry. And I don't just say it. I live it. And there are things in my life that are very serious, deadly serious, and heart-wrenching. Those things take a, the highest priority. There's other things that have happened too, and they're, they're all crisis-oriented things. And yet my reactions to them aren't overboard emotionally. It's just like, how many times have I been through this? How many times have we seen this? And 
how important is this right now compared to these other things we're going through? And I'm amazed. I'll be honest with you, I even amaze myself, and I don't mean that egotistically. I mean, I would expect that I'd get all worked up, and I don't feel worked up. I look at it and go, these things happen, and we'll take care of it. That's all we can do, because the other things that really do get to me are major hitters. Mm -hmm. um, so I look at this, and there is something that begins to happen where you get your perspective on what's really important in life and what may not be quite so important. Um, and uh, it's an interesting thing. And I'm thinking about something that happened today. I was pulling out of my driveway, and I have a beautiful Corvette. I've kept it for a long time. I race it. I love it. And some young woman didn't see me, and I was already oh, just about in the street, and she nailed me. She just about drove through me. And I love it. I keep it looking beautiful, and it means a lot to me. And you know what? It was, that's the way it goes. These things happen, and... Um, I just went on very quickly, in fact, because Jenny helped get her all the license information, and I just switched to my truck because it wasn't the end of the world. Do I really enjoy the car, and is it a beautiful car? I do, but I have more important things to deal with, health issues, my wife, my mother, other people that are struggling, and I'll be honest with you, it takes much higher priority. And for me, because I didn't see it, and I didn't know what was going on, I only heard it, the higher priority for me was, as I raced down the stairs, was, were you okay? Yeah. I did not know. And so when I got out there and saw you up and walking around, it was like, okay, the rest of this can get dealt with. Yeah, and, you know, I felt that way almost at the, t at the time. I'd been, when I was racing my car, I was in serious accidents, um, and I got out the same way. Although, one time, James says, I think you have a concussion. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't even pay attention to that until I, yeah, she was right. But the interesting thing is, this just did not, I looked at it and I went, oh, God. But that was about the size of it. Yeah. I just was not yeah. willing to get carried away. Yeah. I don't know if I've always been like that. It's just that the way life has played out mm -hmm. and the crises that we're all dealing with today and the crises in my personal life take much higher priority. It seems to be a, a learning to, to understand what's truly important in life and what isn't. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to talk about that today. We are. Um, because we've seen a lot of what I call aberrations on what I'm talking about. And I've seen so many people, um, some more than others, but really, really suffer suffering. And I mean in such bad shape because their company shut down or they've lost their jobs. And this isn't that they don't have money. Some do, some don't. The ones that do, this, actually some of them are more shaped the ones that have money, but there's others that don't. And I look at this and, I, and I'm looking at the shape these folks are in and how I realize they put so much emphasis on material things and, their, and the way they felt about their, themselves was based on their own self-worth and their accumulation, their incomes, their homes, their cars, um, their pension plans, all of that. Now, I'm saying that because I know it applies to millions upon millions of people. I haven't been a proponent of that for a long time. I used to be like that, um, but I'm, I'm not anymore. I can appreciate nice things, but they just don't take that kind of, uh, um, they don't have that kind of hold on me anymore because the things that really do override that and, my, and how I feel about who I am is not based on that, maybe a little bit, but <laughs> I like nice things. I like to keep the things I have really nicely. But I, I'm just not 
consumed about, well, if I, if I lose money or I don't have enough money in the bank or, uh, some, or we lose a number of clients or whatever, I just don't feel devastated. I feel like, well, we'll deal with it. In fact, when we have groups coming and calling us and they want to come in for, uh, you know, client things, I look at that very carefully now and I decide to, do we want to put the energy into them or do we want to put it into the people that we really value and are in trouble? Um, and I'm much more conscious of our energy mm -hmm. and, uh, and what we'd have to do to get these people straightened out. Where at one time, I won't lie to you, I'll took anybody who walked through that door because it had to do with accumulation of money and success. We've talked about in the past and past episodes fairly often about, uh, you, we use the word tangibles versus intangibles. Absolutely. And tangibles being the things you're talking about like material possessions or your your bank account or in some ways it might be your status um, and status symbols. The intangibles being things that are more based on uh, relationships and values and um, the people around you in your life and, and love and care. Um, and so that fits into what we're going to be talking exactly. about today. And I feel it's a very important subject, especially now. Um, if there's ever been a time for people to reevaluate their lives and their values, it's now. Um, more than ever before. And I think people are going to have the time. To be honest with you, many people are going to have the time to take a look at things that they've not wanted to look at or even deal with because they were unpleasant. Now they're forced to. But it's a great opportunity. It is. And I think that, like you said, so many people at least in our culture, uh, go with the idea that whether they even, maybe even don't feel right about it, but they still do, that their possessions, their bank account, their net worth is something that must be, uh, they've got to really put a lot of attention to it. Well, you know, all of us have something. So, you know, when we say this, we want to put it on a, on a continuum because everybody has that, particularly in the United States. We ha all have some of that. We're talking about when this thing has gotten so out of kilter that it's not balanced anymore. And the intangibles, which are the things that really fulfill us, that are really important, have been dismissed or put in third place, second place. And well, the problem with that is it leaves people, in some ways I call it being morally bankrupt because they've accumulated so much on one side of their balance sheet and the other is completely empty. Now, unless they're really challenged, like everyone is now, that doesn't, they don't have to come to grips with that. But when things have changed, and you really need the resources and the resilience that come from the fulfillment, the, the things that are really important in life, and really live it, and are committed to it, and convicted of it, and, and follow it, that's where you either, that's either makes you or breaks you. You, I'm just going to stop you. You said if you don't have the resources that you need when something like that hits, what are you talking about in terms of resources? I'm talking about the intangibles. I'm talking about the things that don't have to do with materialism. They have to do with your intrinsic value. They have to do with caring for others and loving others. They have to do with uh, seeing the things in life that really matter. The love in your life, the relationships, the wisdom, your family, your health, whatever. It's learning to really get a grasp on appreciating the littlest things and see how important they are. Um, I can't say I've always been mature enough to understand that, but I do now. I live it. 
I just think that there's other things that are going to sustain you during the rough times, and it's not money. In fact, we help people. We've seen people that money isn't the issue, and it's not helping them at all. It really isn't. Because the things that were really important, they just kind of had a, a contempt for it or a dis disdain. It was not that important. And this, this isn't a few people. This is many, many people. That's been a huge error in judgment, and that's because their values and priorities have been so out of whack. So if there's anything um, that we can get out of this difficult crisis, and we are in one, it's to reevaluate where we are. And you don't have to sit there and be an intellectual reflecting and introspecting. The situation pushes you to the wall that you have to look at those things or go very dark and bitter and angry and then turn on your fellow man. Unfortunately, we are seeing so much of that now, it's scary. Um, and it's getting worse all the time. So we know that that kind of energy, that kind of the spirit of it can go very, very wrong. So you can re find something very redeeming and purposeful during these very, very difficult times that really can change your life for the better. Or you can turn on your fellow man, you can feel justified in your anger and your bitterness and feeling like, well, maybe it, it's not fair that there, this has happened to you, but it is happening. And then blaming others for it, and then going violent, and we're seeing we're seeing a lot of so that. much of that, yes. and that's a heartbreaking situation. And okay. unfortunately, we're seeing too much of that. Anyway, I know we gotta. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And in our second segment today, I neglected to mention that we're going to have another portion of a recent conversation that we had with Randy Mayfield, who's a good friend of ours. And he is a uh, pastor, singer, songwriter, missionary, and he travels around the world putting together uh, groups of people to help uh, refugees, disadvantaged people in Europe, Asia, Africa, uh, and he spoke with us recently, sharing with us some of the changes that have happened in his work because of the virus and the travel restrictions, but also some of the things he's seen happening with the groups of people around the world that he's been working with that we think will fit right in with what we we're talking do. about. I think we're going to bring it in now, but it's a, he's a very good bridge to what we've been talking about. Randy's been doing this work, I guess, for over 40 years. And when I, this is not a man who's just a missionary. This is a man that goes to the front lines, the dangerous front lines, where there's been the ravages of war. Mm -hmm. um, and he deals with, he goes into the refugee camps and helps those folks with anything they need. Um, he's revered. He's a wonderful man. And that's where he feels most purposeful is what I, th I think. I think so. Um, it and he costs does it, him, but it means the mop. It means everything to him. Yeah. And, and when he relates to what he sees in these refugee camps, and he's seen some atrocious... Atrocities. That's truly things. the word. Yes. And it comes out of it, it, it definitely affects him deeply. We've been, we talked to him about self-care, 
which is uh, uh, needs work. Randy, you need work on this one. Where's but I have the greatest regard for him. He's also a great singer. Beautiful. He's voice. written a lot of country western songs. He's, but and and he's had. I guess he's a writer for some of the popular songs. He's also a great opera singer. Yeah. Boy, he sings beautiful along the lines of Andrea Bocelli. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. great. And. Uh, a very talented man, speaks so many darn languages that he can go to these refugee camps. He can communicate. And he can in talk many their languages. language. He talks right. Every, when he talks to me, he jokes around and he goes right to the language of the I can't believe it. Yeah. But he's gifted at languages as well. Yeah. Um, I, we enjoy him. And uh, his wife's a lovely lady. Um, but the reason I think that he's a good bridge at this point, number one, to talk about the values that are really important. Yes. And Randy's got that down. Um, but I got to tell you, I always, Randy lives, can have a very, very good life, materially. Um, and uh, they, they could live a great life, mm -hmm. very wealthy. He could, he does not relish that life. He doesn't identify with that. No, he doesn't. And he's also got a great wife. She's beautiful. She loves him. She's been there for him. Um, you know, you just look at her and the life they live. He doesn't need to go live in these refugee camps and do this. No. His values, though, not that Randy doesn't appreciate material things. He likes good, he uh, likes pretty a nice cars. Car. Sure. I mean, he does. Sure. But so it's not that. It's just that what's very important to him are people. Yes. Caring for people and 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 uh, he has this appreciation for the struggle that people go through and how right. to be there for them. We're gonna. Let you hear the next. We this is the second part of a. It's part of a conversation, and I'll just say briefly before you get to it that we were talking with Randy about just this. What in this difficult time? What does he see coming out? Uh, in, that that are, that people how people are responding positively during this time. Unbelievable what they how they do it. Yes. What they go through. Yeah. But he, he we're on the same. It's interesting. I'll talk for a while, and then we talk, and it's almost like. We've come to the same place together, only going through different through aspects of different our extraordinary of lives. So extraordinary reality. Anyway. Enjoy this, and we'll be back. Here's Randy. One of the things about the, the core theme of our podcasts have been, it, you have, it's through the suffering, the pain, and the struggle that you discover what the genuine resilience and strength. Without it, it doesn't happen. It's that kind of difficulty that causes people to come to a more genuine honest, truthful place, and a caring place for their fellow man, too. That's right. And reaching out for what you're talking about, I look at it's beyond just race. Anybody. It's interesting because we're seeing more homeless people than I've ever seen before. Oh, my, my goodness, yeah. Unbelievable. And I stopped and talked to some, not the ones that are really hostile, that don't want to talk. They get mad at me. Um, I've offered some money and they get mad. I said, oh, fine, I'll keep it. You know, but... There's others, you know, I look at it and I go, fine, I want to, I'll use it. But there's so many that I look at, they don't look that homeless, you know, that broken. And I'll talk to them and I go, well, we were in a homeless shelter, couldn't work, and now we can't be there because of the COVID-19, so they threw out 50%. The That's capacities. The capacities. Yeah. Yeah. Not on the street. And they're not complaining. And I've walked up to some that were rich, and I talk to them and they go, well, the weather's nice. It's not bad. Right now, this is the best we can do. And then I'll look at them and I go, are you eating? Do you have money to eat? And they go, no. And I think I've given more money to people than I've done in a long time. I always was willing to be generous. But this was like, I look at them and go, hey, go get a meal. Take care of yourself. And, I, and you know, some of them have come back after they've eaten. And I'll be eating out. You can eat outside, right? They're supportive to me. 
Yeah. They, they start talking to me about things their their wife just died a year ago. I swear, all of a sudden you hear these stories where they lost their job or they got hurt on the job. They don't have money. They don't have a place to stay. They're grieving and they're hurting. And they talk very humanly. And they're supportive to me. I yeah. can't believe it. Yeah, so sweet. And, I, and I've had that experience. And I, it's because I'm willing to reach out and, and I'll look what happened. And then one guy was in which. He says, I got hurt on the jump about two years ago. I haven't been able to work. I was staying in, you know, my wife left me, yada, yada. And now I'm here. And they don't look broken and dirty and filthy. They don't have a place to stay. And I go, you know what? And I'll sit and talk. And I said, it's interesting. These are not dumb people, the ones that I've been talking to. No. You know, I, I experienced similar things as we shared in the past with the refugees. That I've gone into these tents where family members have been killed. Things have happened with all the ISIS stuff. It seems like these people are going to be in desperate straits and, and sad. There's joy there because even in that pressure, they find out who they really are. They find out who their family and friends really are. They begin to come together under that pressure, and, and they can see a real joy. These are believers in Christ, but also many who are not. Just the whole humanity of being together in a common situation have brought them into a place where they, they break bread together, have a meal together, and they're... They're desperately poor, as you said, but you don't, you just don't feel it. You don't feel it because there's just some kind of joy, you know, I don't know. And no, so I'm hoping that even in us who are not facing being refugees and being on the street, that we can see that even with all these pressures that we feel that we're under, I know there's a lot more suicides right now and things going on, that we can turn that and say, what, what do I have and what has God done for me and how can I find joy in this new place that I'm in? rather than just be remorseful over where I'm not. How can I find this joy? And it's, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. Words are easy to say. It's going to take, as you said, some work and some really focus on what God is calling me to do to find that joy, you know? Absolutely. I, 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 you're just right exactly. on track with us. Exactly. And I, I, I feel really good about what you're saying, that moving forward is very important. And also, people are grieving. And we yep. have, and I am sensitive to that because I know it's, but I, when they start almost disrespecting the grief by self-pity and indulgence and not wanting to do anything for anybody, yep. including themselves, that's when I intervene and I go, I got the grief and I, I feel it too. But man, what you're doing with it is almost a disrespect to the grief. Taking a look at life, you've got to move forward, man. You can't do this and just indulge yourself in self-pity. I know you're hurting, and that's legit, but what you're doing isn't. And what you're doing is actually getting destructive to other people and to yourself. That's not what to do. We're seeing, unfortunately, a lot of people doing that too, and they're just stuck. But what we're really seeing is they're so scared that they are in paralysis. They just, they don't know what to do, and they can't move, and they're so terrified. Yep. And, and then when you talk to them, you realize, well, where's that just about now? No, they're actually getting triggered about things that happened to them. And I don't mean from psychology. And they're living it like it's happening now, too. So everything is so exaggerated that you got to help them sort out. And go, that has not, that's not now. Yeah, yeah. And you're acting like it is, and you're making everything so much worse. And that won't work anyway, because that's not the present. So we have to spend a lot of time getting people to get away from that triggering, understanding we all have our burdens. But the truth of the matter is 
you got to know that you got to go beyond that. Yes, that's part of you, but don't let that take you over. Because once that does, you're not going to have a good perspective on anything. In fact, you're going to feel hopeless, despairing, discouraged. And I'll tell you what, that's the enemy. And I do tell, I said, you want to see what evil can do? That's what it is. Once you still go into that place, you're not going to feel strength. You're not going to feel courage. You're going to be afraid. You won't do a thing. That's when the enemy's got you. So you got to move forward anyway. And you can't, even though you feel these things, you can't let those emotions dictate how you, how you react, your actions in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Feelings are one thing, you know, we're all born with being sensitive, whatever, but that's emotionality. And that will take you down every time. And we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of that go on too. Jesus, it's nice to do this. You should be, we should be with you or us. This is good stuff. We all need each other now. Yeah, amen. Listen to what you're saying. We're saying the same things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And there's a humanity. Always, you're always like that anyway. Where, hey, we're human too. We have to do some adjusting too and change it. And we feel the pain. And we feel the fears. And we feel anxious. We want to do more. And we can't always do it because things are slowed down and they're more difficult. But somehow we don't let it destroy us and burn us out. We got to move forward too and take and learn how to take care of ourselves better. Oh, Peter and I are back after hearing the clip from Randy. And what what came we've heard that a few times, but what came to mind? What came to mind? I talk too much. <laughs> That's what came to mind. Because I really wanted to you to hear more from Randy. Um, we have other segments of it that he speaks much more. Actually, no, they're all about like that. About like that? Yeah. About me yeah. talking too Yeah, much? it was very hard he to find. He talks more than I do usually, by the way. <laughs> this and day Peter was on a roll. I, and, she's, and Jenny's saying, that day you were really talking. I had to work to find something. Really? Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I have to pay attention to it, because this is a very precious man who does some great things. But I think the points that he brought up about yes. seeing these people going through devastating times and yet finding joy in the midst of it all and finding a caring for their fellow man and a camaraderie that now he's a Christian, he's a pastor, he's a missionary, um, he's a warrior of types. And yet he talks about this is a mix of all kinds, Christians, non-Christians, but they all are going through the same level of adversity and crisis. Mm -hmm. And they come together and really value the things that are so important and find joy and appreciation for what they do have yeah. for each other. And if there were barriers religiously or whatever, I don't know in those parts of the world, there probably are. Mm -hmm. He's saying it's, it's not there. When he's, when he's there and they're all together in these refugee camps, he's saying that's not what's important anymore. And these people seem to find and discover within themselves what really is important. Yeah, he, and, in his words, he said that they are starting to find out who they are in this very extreme difficult situation, who they are, who their family and friends are. And the other thing he said that really struck me was that when you meet them and they are refugees who have essentially nothing, that you don't have the sense that they feel poor. You know, I, we have discovered that ourselves when we were dealing with people, from, kids from Africa. And who had been one of them is works for us today, Patrick. And we did a segment on Patrick. He's a wonderful kid. We've known him since he's very little. And we found that with all of them, and they had been through such atrocities and hardships, and yet they had such a joy 
and a love of life and an appreciation as kids and a caring for each other and their fellow man. It touched me because at that time you don't see too much of that in the American culture and here these little kids have more heart than we do. Yeah. And I was very touched and uh, of course we stayed in touch with them for many years. Patrick now works for us at the nonprofit. He's a wonderful guy, very gifted. But I think that what Randy's talking about is the same thing. Yeah. Under crisis, you find out, it brings you to your basic, the basic human condition, shows us the good and bad of ourselves. And it's a time for us to take a really good look at what's important and just not waste our time anymore on what isn't. And it's time for us to take a break. Good. It's a good time to break. <laughs> You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and Peter and I have so much we want to share with you that there isn't going to be time, but we did say we're going to talk a little bit about this, how this yardstick, this new yardstick, how do you measure success? How do you measure self-worth? Mm -hmm. And how can that go wrong? Um, when we were listening to Randy uh, in the last segment, it's interesting because it was it's his words. He said, when you meet the refugees in the camps that he's worked with who have essentially nothing, you don't get the sense that they're poor. They don't feel impoverished. And we wrote about that in our blog, uh, about the experience of what is the feeling of, how do you establish this feeling in your life that you have worth, that your life looks good to other people? How much importance do you put on that? Uh, and as Peters, you've said, this is a balance. This is a balance that people are trying to find their way through all the time. It's not, um, we all have these, we all need to have an income. We all need, want to provide for our families. But what happens when we start to define ourselves by these things? Okay, and that's really the dilemma that people get in. The American dream isn't a bad thing. I mean, getting ahead and there's so much promise that you can do good for you, do well and achieve more. and. I mean, those are all good things. It's just when it gets so far out of kilter and that your whole self-esteem, your value about how you see things in life are all based on material things. The reason this is coming up is because we've had a couple of crises in the last, one that we're in now is enormous. The one that we had in, uh, 10 years ago was huge. But it, the material part of it definitely uh, involved in both of them. But what it really does is it makes us stop it forces us to stop. It forces us to come to grips with a struggle. And, uh, you, know, I th you know, we're talking about coming to, this, to these realizations and we can pose that to all of you and offer it to you and, you need, and we all need that and we, I know I need that at times too. But the truth of the matter is you gotta go through the struggles. You seem to have to go through the pain and the, the real difficulties in life to come to what we're talking about. It just doesn't come out of a book. It just doesn't come out of um, education. It's almost like, and you've said this before too, that uh, in fact, a little, just a little while ago, you said 
when you go through these struggles, you start to find out what's going to sustain you in rough times. And money isn't always going to be the thing that sustains you. Yes, it can be a value, but what, there are some things like the old thing, things money can't buy. What sustains us in hard times? It's, well, it's a realization that there's more important things in life. And how can you find that out unless really so much has been taken away and you've been stripped? Um, we've talked about working in and living in an extraordinary reality for a long time. And what is it about that reality? We know people who are paramedics and nurses, doctors, ourselves, and others, firefighters. What is it about this extraordinary reality that makes people different? And what we realized is it forces you back on, your, on yourself so much of the time in so many painful ways, either helping others that are in pain or realizing, seeing situations that are so overwhelming and uh, where we feel so powerless no matter how skilled we are or whatever, that it forces us to look at ourselves and come to grips with our own human nature, our good and bad. Um, that can't, I don't believe that can happen. I've been, what, I've been a psychologist, psychotherapist for many, God, 48 years until I shifted to being a consultant and mentor. But you know, the reason that I look at that and I'm thinking, um, there's so much, you can't, I, even doing all that work, I'm thinking to myself, now what is it that forces people to really come out of all of this and grow? They call it post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. It's true. Um, and yet at the same time, I've heard people say, that's a really insensitive thing for people who are going through suffering and pain. Well. They're right in some ways because when you're when you're somebody's in the midst of their emotional agony and pain, which you have to go through too, um, and you start talking about these things in, in large philosophical terms, it can be extremely insensitive. Mm -hmm. Talking about growth when you're barely making it through the day, and I mean physically, emotionally, it feels like you just there's nothing left. Um, that they're right, but yet in the big picture, is there such a thing as being able to grow through trauma and pain? And the answer is absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And then we know about how you're. We've talked about this in the past. We were we realize how important it is to know your body and to realize how your body stores a lot of the effects of these difficult times, and how this can be an opportunity to purge that and to come to grips with it and learn to read your body again and learn to read what it's telling you about what you've been, what you've been holding on to and what, how it's distorted things. Um, a perfect, I, I think, as I'm talking, a perfect example of that is folks that have had terribly impoverished backgrounds. And I, I know what that feels like. Um, I've had both, very, really wealthy times and impoverished times. I grew up for a good part of my younger years, very impoverished. But you know what it came out of it for me? It, to be poor, I wasn't fulfilled and I didn't think it was so wonderful, even as a kid. And yet I had friends that they didn't even know we were poor. And they tell me that today and I look at that and go, you're kidding. Well, the truth of the matter is, out of that impoverishment, it drove me to want to succeed in anything I did and materially. And to do as well as I could physically, materially, absolutely, in every way. Little did I know what it would, what it would have put me through, but my body held the history and the memories and the pain of being very impoverished and poor. And so this was my way of countering it. It was way overdone. Mm 
way overdone. And there are so many people like that. So here it is in the body. There are ways to purge it. There are ways to get back to a normalization. But you got to know how to, you, you won't even come to that place of doing the work that it takes, which we, we do um, and we help others with, until you really pushed your backs to the wall and you're really blowing it. And things are so out of control that you have to begin to come to grips with what's going on. And you realize you have a whole history that you've been encountering and it's distorted your values. And instead of having a balanced perspective on life, it's all focused on tangibles. It's all focused on getting ahead. It's all focused on empowerment through material accumulation and uh, security. And what we discover is that can go way out of whack. We all need some of that. Mm -hmm. But this thing can go way out of whack. And I certainly was one of those people. Uh, I can't deny it, and I won't deny it. But I know people today, and I look at them and I go, they're there now. Mm -hmm. And they have nothing. Their balance sheets uh, um, are just inside themselves empty because they were compensating for so long that now that it's, it's been, they're, human, they're, they're thrown back on themselves because of the crises we've been in. Um, but they're discovering is they don't have any reserves. They had an emphasis on money, a job and getting ahead. Well, they lost their job, the companies went under, or they have plenty of money, but they don't have anything else, and they're lost. And also very depressed and um, impoverished in so many ways. I, I'm hearing, uh, just tell me if I'm hearing this, and I think that the, the feeling of being impoverished is real. It can be very real. And sometimes that feeling doesn't have much to do with money, and yet that's what people end up aiming for to fill that feeling. You know, I, I, that's exactly right. And um, I know from my own life experience uh, growing up and also my own life beyond that, um, I, I know my family lived that way. I did too. And you know what I realized is how impoverished you can be and have an awful lot materially. Because the things that are really important, love and caring and, and paying attention compassionately to your fellow man and that there's other people that don't have it so good and, and giving back and care, just seems to fall to the wayside. It's all self-centered. And there's an emptiness that grows. While the materialism may grow, there's an emptiness inside spiritually and emotionally and psychologically um, that's also turning into a moral cancer. So I look at those things and can you be impoverished and uh, with a lot, having a lot of material? And the answer is absolutely. Absolutely true. Isn't, isn't that true for many people we've seen over the years? Yes. That they, they feel a longing for something that, that they don't have or didn't have uh, that, that yeah. is, and it's not, it doesn't end up being physical. It ends up being, like you said, spiritual, emotional, relational, something that didn't go the way that they needed it to. Well, they had unrealistic expectations about life, too. They were distorted. Yeah. And when, now that we're, why this is so timely, in a crisis, that brings us back, on, puts us back on ourselves. And it, it almost forces us to reevaluate things in our life that we've been not willing to look at, didn't have to. Well, we should have, but we didn't. And this is a time where you can come to grips with things that you normally would have avoided. But this is an opportunity to deal with those things, as painful as it may be, and come out a better person. 
and instead of being impoverished in the things and the non-tangibles that are so important, you begin to fill that side of your life up. There's where the real strength and resilience is needed when you're going through rough times and all the money in the world and material things does not touch it. So this is a time in life that, I, you know, it's funny, I've seen people that I've known for a long time, uh, a lot, a number of people, they don't have a lot of money and they work very hard and you know what? They're some of the wealthiest, richest people and I don't mean financially that I know. Family, loved ones, compassion, understanding, acceptance, just astounding people. And they have a compassion for their fellow man that it, 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 it goes beyond ethnicity, it goes beyond anything. And I have friends from er so many different ethnicities. And you know what? What really joins us all is a compassion and an understanding and a, a love for each other. Um, and I, that, I respect that more than anything. Um, the real things in life are what counts, and they know it. So I look at that and I value that tremendously. How did I get there? You gotta go through it yourself. Mm -hmm. And you gotta have these wake up calls that go, it's a real shake up. And you come to grips with appreciating and valuing the things that are truly important in life. And it doesn't take a lot. When you get to that place, a very small thing can mean so much to fulfill you and be grateful for every day. Have I always been that way? No, but I am now. And uh, does it mean that I don't have pain? On the contrary. It means that I deal with it. And the emotion that comes with the difficulties that I go through in my life or helping other people, oh no, it's very painful. But I know that I'll get through it. I know that I have a certain resilience deep within myself and always a hope that goes beyond just my emotional pain. And that manifests itself physically too. Um, and we could talk, we've talked about that in other episodes. But we find now that we do these, these shows to remind people of what's truly important during this time. Is there anything redeeming about these difficult times? And our answer is yes. Will you feel the pain though? And the struggle and the suffering through it? And the answer is yes too. And there's value to it. Just try to keep that in mind when these emotions, this pain, this heartbreak, these losses are hitting you hard. Believe me, you're gonna get through it and there's gonna be a better day. And you're going to see that. And out of what you've been through, you're gonna carry forth a new strength and a new purpose and a new resilience. For those folks that don't do that, they, they take a much darker path, a bitter path. And there's plenty of that manifesting itself too. And that's heartbreaking because they, they take it out and they hurt, they're, they're cruel and they're violent to others without any heart for their fellow man. Yeah. They claim that it's in, that they do, but they don't. So to me, they, oh no, this can go either way, but we're talking about the better way. The better way. To me, it's the truly best way. Yes. So that's what I would encourage people to look to, to have hope, and, and that's in spite of and through the difficulties. And we'll come back. Come back. Yes, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide oh, okay. to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break.
Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and this is the time when I ask Peter some questions. I thought I answered every question that there is in life the way I talk. I, I, yeah, I know. It's like, what has not been answered? Yeah, um, well, a but, lot. But, go <laughs> but I, I do, do kind of have a question. And it's a little bit different than what we were talking about, but um, sometimes money comes <coughs> to represent other things. Am, am I coming right out of left field? Sometimes money starts to represent other things. Uh, it can represent status. It can represent um, uh, security. Sometimes it, it can even represent love. How does that happen? How does that happen? How does that happen? Yeah. And how can people be a little more aware of what they may be putting on money that isn't really about money? Yeah. Well, I think that it can be very distorted after a while. Uh, I don't think people are always aware of it because you can buy so many things and have whatever you want. But that's a very temporary substitute for what really matters. Um, I've seen so much aberration with money through the years in our work. And um, we have seen, you mentioned one part of it that's really, I see it uh, culturally, the wealthy. Um, many wealthy people and families um, who are involved in uh, have, have legacies of wealth um, have trouble maybe expressing their love emotionally and in the simple, basic, important things of life. The way they will express it is through money. The, the, the message they're conveying to those that their, their children, their families, is that money is love. Money is showing you that we love you. If someone were to say, if a parent were to say, you know what, even though we have a lot of money, we want you to know what it's like to have value, work values and ethics, and we want you to go earn your own living and make your own way. And if we keep giving you, you'll never have to do it. You'll never find that self-respect deep within yourself. I have seen more of those kids grow up to be so angry and resentful and bitter the ones who didn't get that. The ones that they didn't the, get what they, they thought it, they weren't getting love when their parent was actually doing the opposite, finally right. doing something truly loving for that kid yeah. and putting them on the right track. And a lot of those kids say, I want the money. That to me is, they're saying, that's your, that's, I know, that means love to me. And you're saying you're not giving me that, then you don't love me. And that's not always true at all. And some of those really parent, those parents that realize it and want to make the change over, um, run into a lot of trouble with it. There's, but there are a lot of parents, and I've seen this, some good people, by the way, that have money, um, and they indulge their children as a form of showing the child how much they mean to them. And I'm not talking about cold, calculating, controlling money people. I'm talking about kind, good people. Mm -hmm. But they're not the smartest parents in the world, or the parents. And they give money, homes, massive trusts to say to the kid, this is how much you mean to me, and that's why I'm giving you all of this. And we can do it, we can afford to do it because we value you so much. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. that um, creates a, 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 a distortion in what true love, real love is, and caring. And it should have very little to do with money. Some, sure, but not like this. So we have seen some real aberrations. Yeah. 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 Uh, another kind of uh, big picture question, without you know a long time to answer it, um, but just just your thoughts when I ask you this. 
why does our culture place so much emphasis on money? Why does our culture? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the American way? Yeah. Well, it's been a land of opportunity. And uh, I like that. I'd rather have that than have it be in a caste system in India or something like that. Um, so I, I love that we have the freedom to, to come up from our, you know, immigrant roots. My family did, and, and I know how they started, and I know many families today that are, work so hard to put something together for their families and themselves. It touches me, and I value that. Um, but those folks are surviving and trying to make a better way of life. I have a great appreciation for that. And, and respect, can, yeah. And respect for that. Um, and I, I love to see it. I've, seen, I've been involved with many families, immigrant families that have done that, and they work so hard, um, and they feel so grateful that they can do it here in the United States, and I, I love that. And I know my family did it too. So I have an affinity for something like that. Um, there, but there's other parts to it that have gone really awry, and it has to do with power. It has to do with being acknowledged for having a lot of money and how clever you are getting it and um, how clever you are making business deals. And, um, you know, and the more you the, some one guy we, we helped many years ago said, something like the more toys you have, the, the more. Who dies with the most toys wins. Yes. And you know what? I thought he was kidding. No. He wasn't kidding. I was there with you. He wasn't kidding I and remember. he believed that. And um, he lived that way. Because he lost his whole family, uh, he lost everything that mattered and became massively wealthy. Mm -hmm. But nothing that really mattered was—they it all fell away. Yeah. He was a, a broken man, and yet he was so filled with the acquiring money and what it meant to him to make him feel important that the things were, that were slipping away from him, those were—he didn't place those as the highest value anymore. So he lost the things that would have really the non-tangibles. Yeah. He heard a lot of people in, in trying to acquire so much to make himself feel very important in his eyes and other people's mm -hmm. while he was losing his family, his children, his wife, respect from respect for who he really is as a person. Yeah. Um, his values were completely distorted. This is a country that that can really happen. And I've seen it more times than not. It does happen in other countries too, I know that. But here, this is the American way but it can get completely bastardized and, and distorted. And we've seen too much of that. This crisis brings that kind of thing to the forefront. Yeah. With so many successful businesses going under, so many corporations having to go under or reorganization of bankruptcy, laying off millions of people, this isn't an exaggeration. So this is a time of reevaluation for everybody. And I think it's for the, I don't like pain, but I think through it, it's for the best. Mm -hmm. This is a wake-up call to grow from, not to be destroyed by it. Yeah. Okay, my final question. Um, to someone who is maybe starting to realize that they've, they've, their, self, their, their financial status, their financial worth, has maybe been near the very top, if not the top, of how they valued themselves. What would you urge people to replace that with? What is the measure? To counter that? To counter it. What should they look at instead? They should look at people around them that don't have a lot, and they should be able, 
they need to be able to reach out and to give and care to, uh, for others who have a lot less instead of accumulating just for themselves. Um, they may feel self-respect, which is pretty egotistical, while everybody around them is, so many people around them are hungry or desperate or in need in many different ways. I mean, you can give money, but you can also give of yourself, honestly. And I honestly believe that caring for others, no matter how much you have, and having a heart for others and what they're going through is the counter, the healing way to counter what you're talking about, where people have invested so much in themselves, in accumulation for themselves. The kind of self-respect they're, they're accumulating is, is more of an egotistical trip. Um, I'm talking about something that's spiritual and soul-fulfilling. Um, the one that leads to bankruptcy of the soul is different, and that has to do with um, everything about yourself and, and accumulating as much as you can to make yourself feel important in your eyes and the eyes of others. I call that a bank, can be a bankruptcy of the soul. For those that accumulate, but then give back and care for others, and so many different, that's the counter. And that to me, that kind of love and that kind of wisdom and that kind of spiritual growth is what really matters and what really comes to the forefront during difficult times. Thank you. Thank you. I hope that helps. I think so. I think so. And uh, this, again, is, is something we talk about and we will continue to talk about because it's so important. In fact, uh, and I'm going to hold this book up for those of you watching uh, the video. Uh, there's a section in our little booklet, The Survivor's Guide to Life, that Peter was pointing out to me, reminding me again. Uh, appreciate what you have. One of the, these are the principles for surviving in hard times and to remember the tangibles versus the intangibles. Mm -hmm. It's important to face your reality and the facts of your situation, but don't let facts determine whether you're fulfilled or miserable. You may have lost some things, but look at the non-tangibles in your life as well. Um, so I want, with that, I want to say uh, that we really hope that we, the people are watching us on YouTube. Um, we've made a real effort to upgrade our presence on YouTube and offer uh, different versions of our podcast. Sometimes if you don't have uh, time to listen to the whole one, we've broken it down into smaller pieces so that you can catch it a bit at a time when you're able to. Um, I think YouTube is great because you get to see us, her, us, her, her him, and, and uh, just you can see us interact, you can, you, you can get to know us in a different way, and so if you are a longtime listener, thank you. Really? If you've listened to us on SoundCloud or Stitcher or Spotify, thank you. If we could urge you to just try shifting over and watching us on YouTube, just see what that looks like. Um, I'm sure that Steve is going to put one of those little things that go right across the screen that says just what to do so that you can get there and just take a look, see what we look like. If you don't know yet, um, watch us at the kitchen table in Steve's home, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, and with that, do I have time? The book I'd kind of like to get. Oh, the booklet. Please, if you email me, Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at BernsteinInstitute.com, I will be glad to send this to you, uh, and it's free. Um, and also, if you have any feedback for us or you have a question, you can send it to us that way as well or through our phone number, which is 
1-800-273-3335. Our YouTube channel is The Survivor's Guide to Life. Our website is thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. We are sponsored by a great organization, Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, and they are sctraumatreatment.org, and their donation, if you would care to donate, they would greatly appreciate it. Mm. Uh, we are on Facebook, Instagram. Follow us, like us, share us. I think I've run out of things to say, but you never do. I never do. <laughs> I and, but Steve think. is saying what? Do we have time? One minute, Peter. Okay, I'll tell you what. Keep the faith and keep hope. No matter how difficult things get, no matter how most deeply pained you are, and you will be at times, we all are, hang in there. Don't give up. Uh, you'll see a better day. And that's what you need to keep in mind when you're going through the rough times. I do. Um, we all do.